Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, president, and founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart. Yes, the heart of Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, California. I'm a serial entrepreneur with 17 startups under my belt. Love artificial intelligence and quantum computing. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion. That's $1.35 And also Eva.ai, an AIHR tech company I co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world and opportunities are not. And with that, I'd like to introduce our incredible guest, Kevin Neal. Kevin has a robust background. He is the chief executive officer and founder of P3ID. They're building the next generation of business process automation platform with a technology and solution to help organizations of all sizes be more efficient. And yes, efficiency is really important to reduce operational costs, as all of us want to do, and gain a competitive business advantage. And with that, I'd like to bring Kevin on board. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing today? Hey, Gary, doing pretty good. How are you? Good. So, hey, tell me a little bit about it. Are you originally from San Jose or where are you from originally? I am. I'm originally from San Jose, and I spent uh, many years here, and then I moved to Texas. A company actually moved me to Texas for two years, and then they they, they moved me back. So uh, I'm kind of a California guy that's been to Texas and then brought a little Texas back to California. But, yep. And so, you know, how was it when you moved to Texas after being in California? Did you start riding horses and all that and uh, eating ribs and, and that kind of thing? How, how different was life? Uh, it was slower pace. There was a lot more country, a lot more green. Uh, I started picking up uh, y'all and fixing going over yonder. So <laughs> I, I got I got the slang for sure. My my family's from Oklahoma, so that's you know it's kind of familiar to me. But uh, it was different. It's 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 amazing to travel the world, and and people are people all over the place. And uh, you know that's why I like you know, uh, experiencing different cultures and different people in different places, because at the, at the end, you know, people are people. I've worked for Russian companies, I've worked for Japanese companies, worked for American companies, and there's a commonality amongst everybody. And that's, you know, in, in the world, it's kind of crazy today. But um, yeah, it's, it's good to get around and, and see how people uh, live and operate. But we all we all want the same thing. We want to live, live in happiness and have a life, have a family. And, uh, and and be be good to each other. Now I got a question for you. Now you got to be open and honest with me. Did you buy a pair of cowboy boots? <laughs> I never did. Uh, I wore a cowboy hat a few times. Uh, I wore jeans. You know, uh, I visited. Did some you ranches. get one of those big belt buckles, those silver belt buckles, just for the heck of it, like the cowboys have on? <laughs> well, you know, collecting those things is a big thing out there. So. Yeah, I, I went to some rodeos and stuff. So, yeah, it was an interesting experience, you know. So, yeah, good place. Did you, did you ride any of those steers in the bars, those mechanical steers, the uh, buffalo uh, bulls? I never had the nerve. I, I watched <laughs> them and had a lot of fun seeing people get bucked off. But I never had the courage to do it. That's for somebody else. That's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, tell me a little bit about, you know, so a little bit about your background. So, you were at uh, Fujitsu. You did product marketing management. What was that about? What, what's a product marketing manager at the Image Products Group? So exactly what did you do? Yeah, so it was cool. So um, so Fujitsu's, I was working in the document scanner division. So it's a small division of the big Fujitsu. 
and I was responsible for two product lines, the production scanners and their network scanners. And historically, Fujitsu was not very good at the production scanner level. Kodak and Bell and Howe were always number one, and Fujitsu was a number three. So I went there, and they were just releasing a brand new product. And we had a really bad reputation, you know, for paper handling, image quality, all these kind of things. And the Salesforce didn't have a lot of confidence in our product and even the engineering team. But this new product was coming out. So my job, to answer your question specifically, as a product marketing manager, was to work with the team and build confidence mostly. So we, what we did was, uh, one of the cool things, one of my colleagues, stunning colleagues, I like to use that term, he said, Kevin, let's do something crazy. Let's get in an RV, let's travel around the country with our big scanner and go to our, our partners, our software partners, our technology partners, our distribution partners, and take the scanners there and let's have some fun. So it was kind of a joke at first, but we traveled in an RV and we went all through the oh East Oh my gosh, that must have been really fun. Oh, yeah. it was crazy. And that, you know, it started with just him and I, and then we went to a couple places and then I would send back a daily report to the team. And then our executives started sharing it with the entire image projects group. And then all of a sudden, you know, in a week or two, people were flying in from there and they were going to this customer and this customer, and then it became a whole thing. And so that product launch was, was like fantastic because of the energy and the excitement and building confidence with our customers. And so, so finally we found some customers to take our product and we were very successful with that product. And long story short, because of what we did and a very energetic product launch, we finally achieved number one market share. It was because of working with the team and the partners and this positive energy and this great culture that we did. It was just an example that, you know, having a good culture and, and thinking outside of the box instead of a traditional product launch. Here's a spec sheet. Here's a video. Here's a PowerPoint presentation of a cell. That, that doesn't work, right? We had to do something different because we had this, you know, this third, number three market share position that we had to overcome. So on the production scanner side, we did that. And then network scanning, we also were always way behind HP. HP had like a 15-year lead in network scanners. But we finally achieved number two market share. Basically the same thing because... I, you know, I worked with the sales team, I worked with the engineering team, and as a product manager, I could have said, that's not my responsibility, but it was. I had to drive the number, so I got involved intimately in the deals. We ended up doing, I would go on customer visits to AutoNation, to state of Oklahoma, state of Alabama, and close all these deals. It was really wonderful solving problems with technology and seeing how our clients would then get promotions internally because they would deploy this digital transformation solution. And then they got rewarded with career advancement, career advancement. They got noticed by upper management. They got raises, they got, you know, promotions. So, so long story short, as a product marketing manager, you know, I just didn't sit back and just, you know, put out some brochures. It was actually. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of fun. I mean, that RV thing, you could write a book of how to free out an RV. Like, it was so wonderful. We got a little plaque for it. I got it in the back in my office here. It's beautiful. And it was just like kind of fun, kind of crazy. We had this reputation of like, oh my gosh, you know, there's 15 guys in an RV and they're drinking and smoking and staying out all late night. You know, it was fun, but we were responsible too. And and the RV did not smell like a, a, a dorm room, you know. It was, we actually kept right, it. Did you stay stayed. in the RV too or no? No, no, we did not. We stayed in hotels, but we but we had this reputation of you know bad boys in the RV going around and stuff. So oh my gosh, that's and how long were you doing that? We did that for two weeks. So wow, that's awesome. great. Yeah, we, we did the East Coast. We did eighteen stops. It was like twenty five hundred miles. 
we were trucking all night. We were traveling. And next day we were doing two or three events. And then the, the West Coast people replicated the same thing. So it was really awesome. It, it took on a life of its own. It was just like very uh, grassroots. It was just outside of the box. It was very, and it was very inexpensive. It was very, you know, it was just the budget for our hotel rooms and a few few nights at Dave and Buster's. That's That sounds great. And so you went to Abbey. So tell us a little bit about Abbey. Yeah, so Fujitsu was a great place, but, you know, they're, they're a hardware company, and I was like, it's kind of a fish out of water, you know, just describing all this. I like, you know, solutions. So I went to Abbey. Abbey was a wonderful experience, too, because they were, you know, they're software focused, and they're known as an OCR company, but I also got to work with their text analytics stuff, their natural language stuff, which was really cool, because this is the future. I mean, it's not commonplace to talk to your Alexa, your home and talk to devices you talk to your cars but you know a couple of years ago that wasn't kind of the case so abby's you know trying to solve that problem of contextual understanding of language and being a, you know in the vision of dr david yang was to accurately translate from one one language to another and even big companies are trying to solve this problem and we're getting there that's cool but you know if you want to accurately translate a, doc, a legal document that's very legal in terms and clauses. And you still can't realistically do that today. So Abby was a great experience um, selling all of their products, their OCR products, their data capture products, their mobile products, and taking all these tools and then using them to solve problems. So that, that was a great experience. And I got to work with leading uh, travel and entertainment ISV companies, leading uh, cloud companies like Salesforce was you know, just coming around at that time. Concur, um, Cerner Corporation. So, and, and all these companies need recognition tools and need automation tools. And I really saw that at, at scale that these companies, a box and Concur and Cerner, still you know need more automation and they need more um, more recognition tools. So, so Abby was a great experience. I, I worked with stunning colleagues there. And that was a fantastic experience, you know, as they moved to the cloud. And so you did that, the strategic innovations group at Abbey. So what is the Twain working group? I mean, I remember Twain from uh, Scanners, but is, what is a Twain working group? So the Twain working group is a nonprofit organization building a standard for device to application connectivity. Because a software application like Salesforce doesn't talk directly to a copy machine. So right. there's a, a Twain driver in, be, in between. So the Twain Working Group has developed a specification that ISVs have then, like hardware IS, or hardware companies or ISVs have created an, an integration that talks to the driver that then drives the device. So, so we've done that for like 25 years. But now everybody wants an API RESTful API service. So what we've done is taken the Twain specification and make it a RESTful API. So now that people that know how to, you know, everybody knows how, well, all seasoned developers know how to use a RESTful API or a cloud API. So we've just exposed it as an API. So now you can expand it to third-party cloud services and uh, integrate easier and faster. So that's what we introduced Twain Direct in 2019. So it's about a three-year-old uh, officially released project. And it's cool. P3 is part of the, uh, we're board of, uh, we're, the board, we're part of the board and uh, I'm also the marketing chair for the Twain Working Group, and I'm evangelizing Twain Direct big. 
So most of the scanner manufacturers and the hardware manufacturers are on board with Twain Direct, uh, but now we're getting a lot more ISV interest. Like there's a blockchain company and a biometric authentication company mm. and, and AI companies coming in. So so that's what it is. It's the scanner to application connectivity. Oh, that's cool. So tell us a little bit about, so, you know, why did you form P3ID and what was, um, you know, you've been doing this for six years and five months, right? Exactly. So why did you form the company? What what happened? Would you say one day, oh, I want to form this company, P3ID. By the way, how did you come up with P3ID? So P3ID is the power of three. So people, process, and policy. And specifically in that order, Gary, mm-hmm. the, the process is the technology. So we just talked about technology a lot. But it's the people that's number one. And people have to, you know, like right now, most people say, here's technology and people have to adopt it. That's bull, you know. It's the other way around. The technology has to uh, has to play nice with the people because it's always people that's resistant to change, or you know, it might technology might take my job. You know, that that's a real concern. Is it, you, what do you think, Kev? Is kind of technology going to take people's jobs? Uh, you know, flipping fries, maybe. You know, uh, taking your credit card at the at the gas pump, maybe. Yeah. But I still think people want interaction. There's always going to be, you know, people needed. So I think in certain places, yes, automation, you know, building, you know, putting a car together, you got all robotics and stuff doing that. But you know, I don't, in our lifetime, I don't think so. There's still a need for people for sure. So you're so, building the next generation of business process automation. And so you're helping organizations be more efficient. How do you do that? How do you be more efficient to reduce operational costs? Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy. So basically we have, we're, we're building this platform. So it's basically like the AWS of what we're doing. So we have a, a input, we have a product called MobileBot and ScanBot. This is the collection uh, kind of microservice. Then we have a, a classification extraction service called Docs Extract. And then we have a storage and workflow service. So these are like the, the three or four hero products. I say you can use them all at heart independently or you can use them together as a workflow. Mm-hmm. So, so you can say, hey, I need, to, I need to collect my information, I need to understand and organize it, and then I need to utilize it. So those are the three basic components of a workflow, in my opinion. So, so that's what we're doing. And, and like I said, it's like the AWS. At the end of the day, who wins has the, uh, the service with the cheapest, uh, cheapest kind of P&L to it. Each one of these products for AWS is a product. You know, they manage it as a product. It's got a profit and loss. And how can I go offer a storage service like Amazon S3? It's like so cheap, I can't even do it. So that's our strategy, Gary, is that each one of these products, MVP products, will be managed as a P&L and a product. And then we're going to have a really great service that's at an affordable cost. It's very efficient, very secure. But uh, at the end of the day, our competitors can't, it's going to be tough to, to, uh, to recreate those things. Got it. And so... Tell us a little bit about what your business, what's happening with the business now. I know you're talking about, you know, making advanced technology extremely easy to use, but who, who, what kind of customers are you looking for and how are you going to go grow globally? I mean, where are you right now with it? Yeah, so so I'll answer one of your questions before that. I didn't answer, but it was why I started P3ID. So, so I told you the history of Fujitsu and Abby, and mm-hmm. those are great piece parts. This is hardware, this is software, I'm a solutions guy. So. I started P3ID sort of out of frustration because I wanted to move to the cloud faster. 
and you know some of those companies you know had a desire that you know took time right so so i said i'm jumping in head first so now to answer your specific question so what type of customers so uh so we closed a, a deal with big o tires and jiffy loops uh retail stores so Big O Tires has 450 locations throughout the United States, and Jiffy Loops has 2,200. And, you know, you drive your car in, they change your tire. To oh, yeah, yeah. And I love those guys. They come in there. You don't have to do – you sit in your car. You know, now, now you can just sit in your car, and they change your stuff and, you know, yeah. change your oil, everything else. But they all – you know, the funny part is I always want to change my air filter. And just for the heck of it, I took and put a new air filter in, and the guy says, oh, you need – he opened it up and said, you need to change it. I said, dude, I just changed it two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you I did it for the heck of it, you know. And he was yeah. looking at it, and he says, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I must have not looked at it right." I said, "Come on, dude, what are you talking about? You're charging me twice as much for yeah. a stupid air filter, right?" Yeah, when I pull in anymore, I just automatically tell them, "I'm not changing any of the filters, right? Just top off my oil and change my the air pressure in my tires." So that's all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's a good way because they get the uh, increase. But tell us so, so a little bit about. And where do you want to go with the business, Kevin? What's going to be, what do you want to do? Is it going to be a global company? You want to just stay in the Valley or you want to go throughout the U.S.? What are you going to do with it? It's going to be global for sure. So think, but think globally, but act locally. I always say that to our customers, right? Solve a small problem first. So we're United States based and we're going to do the United States first. But we already have a reseller partner in Canada that's very, very active. We have a lot of friends in Latin America that want to go there. And then obviously a lot of our partners are Japanese manufacturers. So, you know, those are obviously a couple regions that are very obvious for us. So yes, we want to go re, re, you know, be uh, global, but we're going to, you know, we're going to take the United States first and manageable. But we have friends, we have contacts, you know, we have a plan for that. So yes, we want, we want to go globally eventually. Yeah, that's great. And what's, uh, what are you doing in terms of uh, funding? How are you going out? What are you going to do for funding? Okay, so so for funding, we have gone through a couple of accelerator programs. So, you know, working on our uh, working on our uh, pitch, working on our offer. So we have an offer out now. So if anybody's interested, I'll send my contact information. Uh, it's, I'm easy to find. So How much uh, are you raising now? We're raising $2 million on a convertible note. Uh, there'll be a discount, so um, anybody that's interested in, in participating, we're, we're raising it now. And Gary, specifically, we've been really working on traction, so getting, like, Big O Tires, if he lives, is a referenceable customer. But we have, a, we have a pipeline of other, even bigger type of customers, which will be long-term contracts mm-hmm. and, and, and software-as-a-service revenue. So we've been working on the, the traction and, and validating, you know, what we think uh, is right. So obviously the customer, we, we think we found the, the product market fit. We have these MVP products. So we really wanted to say, Hey, you know what investor, this is what our customers are saying, not just our, our belief and our hypothesis. So our team has hundreds of years of experience. Uh, we have a person th- th- over 30 years in healthcare. We have a person over 40 years in government. We have the person I did the auto nation deal with. He's actually a consultant for us. So we have a lot of expertise on the team. So we're trying to check those boxes. Can the team do it? How, do we have the product market fit? Do we have the MVP? You know, do we have a pipeline? Can we sell? Can we market? Can we support? So we're checking all those boxes for the investor. So I would like to have those meetings with the investor and just go over our business plan. And I think we have a very reasonable offer. No, that's great. So tell us what's the future going to look? What are you going to do over the next year? What's, what are the key, key uh, success factors over the next year? 
Okay, so then, so what we're focused on in the near term is I've talked about collecting information, but I think I think a big missing part in the whole digital transformation thing is the authenticity of this digital content. So your mortgage, your medical records, your auto, your auto title. How is that thing authentic? It's not a, just an image and a Photoshop image. So we're going to yeah, that's a, that's a problem everywhere, right? It is. You you see like. You know, you see these home title lock commercials. Like, I go into the county clerk and I give them a, a, a title, and they have to accept it. I think I think that's the law according to the commercial. They say they have to accept it, and then people are getting their houses taken away from them. So, how can I ensure that this document, this mortgage, is an official document, and there only should be one of it, and I could transfer it or revoke it or, or give it to somebody else? So there should be transparency in these kind of transactions. So what we want to do is take our expertise in collecting the information mm -hmm. and organizing the information and make sure it's authentic and then have the workflow be very transparent through blockchain. You can also offer transparency in the supply chain to make sure that this, this particular item is an authentic thing. So, so basically we're going to apply blockchain and NFT, you know, tokenizing uh, information and objects into workflows and make sure they're authentic, they're transferable, there's transparency in it. And you can apply this to voting. You can apply this to the PPP transactions. That there was $163 billion of fraud in PPP. Can you imagine? They should have collected all this data and then in real time and now done an analysis of, okay, you know, these 14 companies that this person put on this application are fake. They're fraud. And it should have declined it in a second. So this, those kind of things should have never happened, you know. So, so blockchain, NFT, uh, around this stuff for the next for the next year is going to be a big focus for us. Now nah, that sounds great. So we're coming up to the top of the show. What are some closing thoughts, and how do people get a hold of you? Okay, so so again, I think a good corporate culture is the key to success. Again, that's why people is the first thing in P three, and then IDs for intelligent data. I didn't uh, explain that. Um, so a good culture. So we're good. If people want to join our company that as a mentor, advisor, worker, please reach out to me. We're looking for good people, you know, that learn, that have respect for customers, clients, and fellow employees, stunning colleagues. So that's very important for us. Uh, obviously, we're doing a lot around the technology. So we're going to be doing innovative things. I, I use blockchain, but AI and machine learning to learn profiles and learn behaviors is a lot of things because we'll be able to collect all this data because we have that unfair advantage of being on the IOT device. Uh, I'm super easy to find. You can just Google me, Kevin Neal, or my email address is kneal at p3idtech.com. Uh, my cell phone number is 408-499-6825, and we're found at the website, p3idtech.com. Now that's great. That's the first time I've ever had a phone number given out online. Hey, man, that's the yeah. only way. Yeah, I'm a very transparent person, Gary. Uh, yeah, no, that's great, but you never know who's going to call you. <laughs> hey, I was going to be the first, right? No, it's great. Well, listen, Kevin, I thank you for joining my show today. I appreciate it. Uh, P3ID, it sounds like an incredible company that's going to put a little dent in the universe, which is a great thing, or a big dent in the universe. And you've got the right kind of background to pull it off, so it's great to have you here today. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. To my audience out there, thank you for joining one more time. GSD presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the host. Check out Kevin's company. 
Tune in again. I will be back again on Thursday with another exciting edition. Stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks Kevin. Appreciate it.